Our passion didn't start with the mouth. It started with people, with the well-being of the profession. And if you're like me, maybe a little bit of your nerdiness in all things tech too. We all want to love what we do, but the truth is burnout, people problems, and glass ceilings can keep us from doing what we set out to do. So let's get back to the heart of connection. Welcome to the Dental Handoff. This show is about passing you the knowledge, the habits, the systems, and the strategies to lead your teams, lean on the tech, and listen to your gut while you take care of teeth. And let's get honest, the overall health of our communities. Let's stop using the wrong end of the toothbrush, y'all. My name is Dr. Kelly Tanner. Oh, and uniquely, I'm a dental hygienist, too. You can consider me a guru in the dental and leadership industry. With over three decades of experience, my goal is to take you to the next level by empowering growth, perspective, and confidence. By identifying the gaps, recognizing the plaque, and extracting the truth with other experts in the field. I'll share their stories, empower you to own yours, and elevate your passion in the process. So have a seat in the chair, put on your bib, and let's get to work. Welcome to the Dental Handoff, where everything leadership, teamwork, people problems, communication, solving everything, the magic of the whole world, dental. Today with me, I have the pleasure, the sincere pleasure of having Dr. Jennifer Bell, who is one of my new BFFs in the industry. We are so like-minded it's kind this of scary. so true. <laughs> and I even dressed like her today. She's seeing patients today. So I told her if she wore her messy bun, I'd wear mine. So we're here. Jennifer, thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for having me. This is uh, such a pleasant addition to my Monday afternoon. Yeah, I'm sure you, I know you had a day full of patients where you were making a big difference. And it's just mm. a uh, Jen is a, Jennifer is a um, co-host on a series called Dentist in the Know, and she's going to tell you all about that. So I get to see her all the time on Facebook and all the platforms, and I get to watch her. So now she gets to be a part of my show to tell a little bit of her story. Now I'm in the hot seat. Hot seat, hot seat. Mm -hmm. So tell us, the audience, about you, Dr. Bell, and about a little bit about your why other than, you know, you get to wear a, a, a cool bun every day to work. About yeah. Dentistry. That's right. So originally I thought it was money, really. I thought I was going to be rich and that's why I went to dentistry. Uh, but come to find out, that's not the case. And so now it's just to help people. I've, I've had to come to terms with the real reality of actually why I thought dentistry would be a good fit for me. Originally, I had planned on med school. I, that was the traditional track that I thought I would be on. And then um, my dentist at home thought different for me and offered me a job for the summer to get to know dentistry a little bit better. And turns out I fell in love with it. It was a great balance of being both a um, problem solver and also a doer. So I get to do both of those things every day. And um, so it satisfied a lot of the pieces of my brain that uh, want to be fed on a daily basis. That's awesome. And and I know that you're a general dentist. Is there certain things that you specialize in that you love to do every day? Um, I love the comprehensive. I, I really genuinely love being a part of the family with folks. And so we see, we live in an area where there's a lot of retirees and multi-generational families. So, you know, I'm seeing the, the grandkids, the parents and the grandparents and kind of building those relationships. And whenever I'm fixing or solving problems for folks, especially when 
maybe other dentists have struggled to come up with a workable solution. For me, those are the big wins that I go home pretty pleased with a with a day's work. Um, so there's not one specific procedure I like better than others. It's just more a, a work style and uh, problem solving balance that I find. Yeah, I attended your lecture. She and I lectured together on Friday at a line in Raleigh. And I for the first time I got to see her in action. She got to see me in action and Dr. Duplantis as well. And just the the cases and the perspective that you bring in on the way the the advancements that you have used across the years and what you've tried, what worked, what worked better, what you learned from that timeline that you showed all of us in that presentation. It was it was a big moment because we, you know, we all have our pathway. And I think that sometimes yeah. people think that it's a straight pathway because all they see is you in front of us. They just see, you know, you're Dr. Bell, she's successful, she's lecturing, but this is story behind all of that. Would you mind like sharing some of the things, some, maybe one or two lessons that you learned about your leadership style with your team? Uh, maybe a couple examples that you learned along this path that you yeah. implemented with your team to overcome and strengthen your team. Yeah. So part of what you were referencing was just my journey or timeline in dentistry. And uh, we've been out of dental school for almost 15 years, and we opened our first practice back in 2010. And one of the things that really has stuck with me through particularly the first five years of opening was never to overwhelm our team with too much change simultaneously and being very mindful of when we onboard new technologies or a dental material or a software that we don't have 30 other things going on at the same time. And that can be, you know, are we trying to bring in too much technology at one time? But it can also be, we have a lot of new people here. Are we, are we actually just trying to get them onboarded to our philosophy and our office culture, um, the way we treat patients and, and fulfill the patient experience? And if we're really working on those techniques and trying to get everybody comfortable in our practice, um, it's not a great time to bring on a really complicated piece of technology um, that is just going to overwhelm the system altogether and, and become frustrating because then you won't be successful. And it likely is the, you know, the digital scanner that becomes the treadmill that becomes the coat rack in the corner, you know, that we've all had those pieces of equipment, both professionally and personally that didn't get utilized. And sometimes, sometimes it's just the way and the timing in which it was brought in just wasn't quite right. So that's probably the one key takeaway from all that. And and the other thing for me um, is that I have a business partner and um, I think very early on establishing the roles that we would play within the practice and having clear defined expectations of one another and, and where we will overlap with consent with each other. But we really very much try to stay in our lanes as if I'm the CFO and the CMO or chief marketing officer of our practice. And she's the chief human resources and chief operations person with our practice. And so when when, when we have those well-defined roles and we have our well-defined expectations of each other as partners, um, and then we meet those ex or express those expectations to our team members as well, um, then they know the right person to go to for leadership and for help in those specific areas. And it's not that there's not some crossover, but we very much try to be respectful, um, you know, of what we have established as our, as our, our 
roles and responsibilities in our practice. Super helpful. And as a matter of fact, I think Dr. David Bryce and I were just talking about this the other day. It's helpful to resolve any kind of conflict where you, when right. you're in any size of uh, organization. Dentistry just happens to be a small group of people, usually That's in an right. office or in hip to hip proximity. But to know the food chain about who you go to, you know, obviously first, if it's ideal, you always go to the individual first. You're having, you're experiencing that discomfort with to try to create understanding. But what happens? after that and who helps you resolve that so that that little structure there that you're creating is a critical piece for that yeah and it helps them understand their leadership too because it is difficult when you have a multi-doc practice and you have two president ceos of of a practice how do you manage the expectations of the team and who they need to turn to for different areas of concern and um and then also just freeing up the owner docs to not be overwhelmed with every nuance and decision happening in the practice, which can definitely become difficult and make our jobs more difficult than they should be. Talk me through, I'm putting you on the spot here. Okay. <laughs> Talk me through like a recent example of a challenge that one of your team members experienced and how you help them work through them to empower them through that. We actually have been going through some unique challenges because staffing issues and hygiene, I think, you know, are not unique to us. Um, And so we're having to explore opportunities within assisted hygiene um, to be able to continue to see and provide preventative care services to the patients that identify us as their primary dental office, um, but finding it difficult to find a good cultural fit for our practice for an open position. So as we've moved into assisted hygiene and what that conceptually looked like, we've had to work through some challenges within our office of expectations and roles and responsibilities and helping um, folks share in the assisted hygiene program. You know, dental assistants sometimes are a little more resistant because it's not um, it doesn't always feed their professional wishes, hopes, and desires uh, to be chair-side perio charting and capturing digital scans and intraoral photos for the hygiene department. Um, they like making temporaries and they like um, treatment planning with patients and, and doing those, those different hands-on activities. So having to work through the cultural change of what assisted hygiene would look for our practice and then how we as a team are going to come together to ultimately take care of the patients um, and create a good patient experience has certainly been a unique challenge for us um, in getting everybody to play along well in the sandbox together. I'm glad you brought this up. Um, I've worked with several offices where it it's it, here we are right here we yeah. are we have the yeah. challenge of the patient wanting to come back in you have the backlog you have people who especially during the heightened heightened area at our time during covid where people were sick having to, didn't have childcare all the things all the challenges internally and externally that just kind of pressed and formed this diamond, yeah. this opportunity, I think for everyone to be true team players and mm-hmm. in those offices where it's, it's um, the opportunity is for that, what you call assisted model, but I truly call it yeah. just a team model Correct. because you're, it, it's a supportive model where you get to learn about team members roles yeah. and it may or may not be forever, but from a hygiene perspective, 
I experienced and I saw firsthand as being a, a chairside coach what that resistance was from both sides. Yeah. And so what is it that you are offering as that as that piece that's like, you know, it's good. This is going to be a good thing. Is there something yeah. that you're saying that can help other doctors who are going through the same thing? I don't know. We're so early into it, but I'll give you my my best where we currently are. Um, one, we're trying to rotate all assistants through that particular responsibility so that not one assistant doesn't have to be the dedicated hygiene assistant because that's not the way they were all hired. They were all hired to move into either DA1s to be training up to become DA2s or full DA2s. And so I think we would lose some of our assisting team if we didn't provide some type of rotation through that um, through that hygiene department. Um, but the second thing I think is having ultimate um, practice goals that we're all working towards, whether you want it to be um, on-time patient treatment, or you want it to be, um, you know, a production goal or whatever it is that you think would motivate your team. And then is it a financial reward for them? Is it a team outing for them? Is it a coffee one morning and an attaboy? Whatever it is, it's going to keep everybody sort of maintaining their focus on the practice and the collective group of the patients and the culture there and less individualized attention on, you know, my specific one need isn't being met all the time because as all of us as professionals will agree to, I think our our individual needs aren't met all the time. But when this, the office is ultimately successful together, um, most of our needs are being met. And that usually comes in the form of job satisfaction and a paycheck. Um, and those are all two things that are required for folks to want to keep coming back to work every day. So sign a charity that we're running here. So everybody wants to ultimately get paid. And that those are just the ways that are, that's going to have to happen. Yeah. And thank you for being so for, for that vulnerable question and for sharing that yeah. because in the beginning stages of it too, you're like, I don't know if what we're doing is right. Yeah. I don't know, but that's, that's anything, right? There's risk in anything that you want to try to better, to stretch yourself, to stretch your office, to grow for opportunities. There's always, there's always something on this, on this other side of risk, yeah. whether it's, you, you learn something, you're like, oh, won't do that again. Or That's hey, right. it really worked. Or you had a personal growth opportunity. And I think and looking back at it with the offices that I was working with, they were like, you know what? That was very uncomfortable in the beginning, but I so appreciate the lens, the context, the, what I got to learn in that time, because it was a personal growth. Like why do, why am I so resistant to doing yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, where, yeah. where does that really come from? What's triggering that in me? And so Something that I would offer you if you're open for what Absolutely. what we did and what worked as well is that we would hold team meetings where, and I'm, I'm not sure how many locations you have. I think you have two, don't you? Yep. But the folks in those locations, I'm not sure. Do they rotate or is it? Not really. They're okay. Stationary. Okay, cool. So you have one team at one office, one team at the other office. Yep. So it could be that you could have two offices that met in, with hygiene and assistance, and they all talk about some common terminology language that they're using, some lessons learned, and say, okay, let's say that this is something that's a challenge in hygiene. Let's talk through some of the solutions that we found through this together. So mm -hmm. they can share and they can contribute during this time. And the hygiene team gets to learn from each other like, oh, Never thought about that. Yeah. That totally could save me time if you have yeah. different hygienists. And it ends up being a very powerful opportunity for your team to input and it calibrates your team at the same time. 
I love that. To the point of looking at assisted hygiene in particular, I mean, this I don't think this statistic gets substantially better in, in North Carolina in particular. Uh, we have about 1.2 hygienists per doc uh, licensed. And so, uh, you know, I don't know, I don't see how that gets better. We're opening more dental schools, but I'm not seeing more hygiene schools opening up. And so I'm, I think if anything, we have to learn from all of this is that, you know, the pivot mentality, um, the way we've always done things is likely not what's going to continue to carry us successfully post pandemic. Um, and that looks like differences in staffing, the different ways you run your business model, how you manage your overhead, it's all getting impacted. And doctors who don't embrace that and start to look for opportunities and have their team working together um, towards a common goal are, are really going to struggle or, or not be as successful as they would like to be. Yeah, that's a great point. That pivot is, you know, that we that we yeah. talk about, and I've heard you talk about, is so crucial because it's truly dentistry, you know, isn't outside of the mouth, it's part of the body. And that's I think, right. and, and embracing this model of sharing the assistance, having them cross-train and uh, cross-train mm-hmm. and hygiene, which hygiene seems easy, but with the workflow and the communication and how it's handed off to dental side, I think there's lessons learned in there for how they can, how hygiene can learn from assistants because they're the yep. glue in the office. Mm-hmm. And they can say, you know what, when this, when we see this patient over here on doctor side, this is the information we've been missing. I'm glad we had this opportunity. Yeah. So to talk through some scenarios or or just review the last week's patients of, hey, you guys, let's talk about three mm-hmm. patients that we had, that we had out, had opportunity to grow from, that we personally learned from, pull them out of a hat, pull them up and say, okay, let's talk this through. Like what went wrong? What went right? And then- yeah then talk about maybe you can pull in some communication things that, you know, in the funnel that we talk about with the communication, where was the leak? Did the patient end up transferring that and schedule? Did they, did the patient leave in there and did they schedule? Where was that miss that we had? Not that you have any in your office. Oh, sure. I mean, none of us. (laughs) Top notch over here. But you know what, what is not transferring to that pa- through that patient experience. And it's so strengthening from an interdisciplinary perspective, I think, to start to do it, to start to perform care like this with our teams. Absolutely. And getting admin involved too. You know, it's very difficult for them to have educated conversations if they've never actually watched you do any of the things that you say you can do. So we do try to get them back um, to watch us make a denture to understand why it takes four appointments to get to that that point, you know, and in the process. So um, it really does take an incredible amount of education and commitment to the professional status that we should hope to obtain in each of our roles. Um, And we do think of each of our team members as professionals in their given area, um, not just employees and not just um, workers, they are professionals. And so making sure that they fully understand what we do every day and why we're there um, and how we take care of people hopefully makes us all more invested in the in the profession we're giving a tremendous amount of time to. Because to, you know, to the to one of the original points, the reason why we're here, and I think a huge opportunity 
pivotal point for this is that, you know, reimbursements rate, reimbursement rates are declining, uh, which isn't the hygienist or the assistant's fault. It's just, you know, the, the nature of everything. It's how things are evolving. And there's more, there's more opportunity there, I think, for doctors to explore what else they can do and yeah. how they can capitalize on that. But then how do you work to, as together in certain teams that actually builds their resume as a professional to say, I work with Dr. Bell in this capacity. I'm here now, you know, we're, we're growing our team, whatever that is, it, it's there on their resume to say that they did that. And it builds those interpersonal skills. So right. great job um, with, with having the support there too, because with that conflict, that triangle and coming mm-hmm. down with that new chain for them to know who to come to, to say, Dr. A isn't diagnosing like Dr. B. It's yeah. hard. Yeah, it's yeah, hard. Yeah. Just that alone can throw your day crazy. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Open lines of communication. And um, we've always told our employees, I mean, we're, we're, not, we're realistic to know that not everybody who comes to work for us will stay with us forever. We'd love that. And we have some that have stayed with us for a really long time. Um, but we certainly have had our own levels of turnover. And all we really hope at the end is when folks do leave our practice, that they're better than when they got there, that they've learned something that their resume looks tremendously better than it did when they showed up, that they can actually do um, expanded function procedures and really push the boundaries of what they're comfortable doing. Um, Because in our practice, you're going to absolutely have that opportunity as you demonstrate competency and a willingness to learn, you're going to grow digitally, you're going to grow in your comprehension of expanded function and suites of services. So, you know, I think most clinicians should have that as an ultimate goal, not to retain folks forever, but at least when they do leave, um, they leave much better than they came. And then everybody, it's at least been a mutually beneficial relationship for however long it had to last. Not everybody falls in that bucket, but we'd like 90% to be in that bucket. Yeah. And I think their mindset has to be there to receive that because I I don't know about you, but when I stepped into any office that was, I had an idea in my head about how it was going to be to be a dental hygienist. So when you walked into that office where, man, there was technology and the doctor was like forward thinking, it could be, it it, it could either shut you down or it could be like, Oh my gosh, feed me. Like That's where right. has it been all That's of my right. life? And That's so it right. takes the right kind of person too. A- absolutely. We always say if you don't like change, we're probably not the practice for you because we're constantly changing. And not just to change, but to make things better or to adjust or acclimate or grow our own professional satisfaction and doing new types of procedures. So we are definitely not, we are not the practice for folks who kind of reach that complacency level in their career. To your point, um, finding the right practice that fits where you are professionally, um, you know, and then personality-wise as well, then you'll be much happier. It's not the practice's fault, not usually. It's just not a good marriage between the individual who decided to take the job and then in the ultimate practice. Yeah, I think it's truly where you are in the season of your life and for what you want to get out of it, because what you put into it is what you get out of it, because it could be very, like, to your point, and, and I think, too, the the saying could stick if if you don't want change, dentistry may not be the most exciting thing to you right now, exactly. because that's all it's doing. <laughs> that's exactly right. And, you know, our our professionals who are later in their career are struggling with that. And I don't blame them because at some point you don't want to, you're kind of done with the growth 
trajectory of your career, you're sort of on the latter end of um, honing in on all the investments that you've made in your professional growth and maximizing that investment to its full potential, but maybe not quite ready or, or willing anymore to add on additional stress or um, growth because you're, you're just trying to maximize what you've already invested in. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just being very um, upfront and intu- intuitively and instinctually available to see that that's where you are in your professional journey. Yeah. So you find the right fit for you. But I actually love it when I see dentists or hygienists or DAs that come in who are in the latter end of their career, who are, I feel like, as excited today as they were the first day they started their job, that that, that growth trajectory just will never end for them. Uh, you know, they'll either be dead or retired before they will finally stop, you know, pushing the boundaries of what they can do, which is really actually pretty rewarding to see. And then to, to know that they're not going to be perfect at it the first time because That's it's right. new to them to just be open to be like, I messed up cool. I mean, it's, it's nothing that's going to harm the patient, obviously that you're doing, but it's like being comfortable with that, that with falling forward and that growth mindset, I think makes all the difference with the individual. So absolutely. Thank you for sharing that and walking us through your personal example. Cause I know that that resonates with a lot of docs out there too. And a lot of hygienists like, what do I do with this? Is it just our office that's doing this? No, it's everywhere. Yeah. One of the takeaways I would say for um, particularly hygienists and DAs that are watching, um, don't stay in a practice so long that you become irrelevant in the workforce. Because um, I do see folks who come in to interview for jobs who have a tremendous amount of experience on their timeline. You know, they've been a dental hygienist for 20 years, and, and there's no type of patient they've never seen. They're great at, you know, traditional um, care, but they've never picked up a digital scanner, they've never taken a CBCT. Um, they've never participated in a comprehensive reconstruction case. Like all, all of those things, um, they start to stagnate your worth in the marketplace. And so I really think, you know, if you want, if you want your experience to be commiserate with pay increases and other things, it's not just time, it's professional growth, it's skill acquisition that you have to obtain along the way. And, um, you know, the best way to do that is to, to be in practices that are either going to provide you that opportunity or try to find uh, different jobs that will, will provide you growth on your CV. Because whether you're looking for a job or not, it's really good to have a, a diverse CV that shows a broad range of skills within that. Because if ever you do find yourself looking for a job, you're much more hireable and attractive to folks if you've got vast experience in all facets of dentistry. And that is changing to your point really, really quickly. Yeah. That's, that's great sage advice because it's just like any other, any other career where if you're in an organization, if you're in education, if you're in banking to move up, to be qualified, so to speak for, um, for compensation, for higher compensation, you acquire more skills. That's what you do because your care That's is right. the thing. Your care is the standard of what you're doing. That's right. It's those different things, those different tools that you're using to care for them, to have that patient yep. understand and internalize that. That's what it's about. And I don't think our team members quite realize that sometimes their first couple jobs they pick will determine their future forever. Um, you know, a simple example, and it's not bad, 
Um, but a simple example is if a DA comes to us having gone right out of dental assisting school and became an orthodontic dental assistant for a couple of years. Well, an orthodontic dental assistant is very different from a GP dental assistant. You know, they're not making temporaries. They're not, um, they're not packing core. They're not doing a lot of the other expanded functions. There's a pretty limited amount of expanded function they're doing all good skills and all things that may have value. But if they envision themselves as a general dentist DA, um, and they go into ortho for a couple of years, it becomes actually really difficult for them to transition laterally into the GP world or the oral surgery world or the, you know, wherever they else they want to go because they've developed really great skills in a very niche market within dentistry. And now to go to a GP office, they're actually going to have to go back a little bit as a base level DA2 again to learn how to do all the additional expanded functions that would be expected of them in a general practice. So um, I try to encourage folks to consider that when they're taking their first couple jobs, not just to take a job, but to think about what this may be setting them up for long-term. And then, you know, as we just said, moving you through the trajectory in the way you want to go. If if your goal is to be the best darn orthodontic dental assistant out there, then you want to start in a dental and an orthodontist. Right. Uh, but but if you envision yourself as a as a broad ranging DA two with a multifaceted resume, then you want to make sure the job selection is going to be um, consistent with that philosophy. Great advice. I'm going to have you on more often. Now that's good. It, you fr- Don't tease me like that. You know. You Don't know. Tease me. <laughs> Don't tease me. I know it's because I'll come. I'll just start showing up. Okay, you'll just pop in. You'll just do bloopers. You'll be like the Zoom bomb. What are we doing? What are we doing? <laughs> Let me out of the green room. Get, get me out. Get me out. Let me out. Um, thank you so much. Our time has flown by here. Um, how do people find you? How how do people get in in touch with you? So I'm also on Facebook in our group, Dennis in the Know. We're live every Wednesday night, 830. Uh, We usually do some update on news and dentistry across the nation or the world if if it's relevant, um, just to keep folks up to date. But then we usually have a great educator or uh, someone like yourself who comes on the show and spends a little time chatting about um, whatever their passions are and, and how they can provide that back to professionals who are watching. Um, so that's probably the easiest way to find me, but I'm on the web too. And, you know, I live in North Carolina. If you want to hunt me down, go for it. <laughs> and then also lovingly, the, the the show that they have is called Dinks, Dentist in the Know. So if you're looking for them, you may see it under D-I-N-K-S. So she's one of the, that's right. there. she runs the show. The guys are just basically, there. Yeah, basically. And we do it at the happy hour. So we say, our show is like the after bar meet and greet after a long CE day. So just come hang out, bring all your woes and your baggage with you. We'll work it out. We've got an hour to do it. We'll have a cocktail. Everybody's usually a lot happier at the end. Yeah, it's it's highly entertaining. I mean, Jennifer, you know, she brings all the real information. And the guys just, I don't even know what they do. <laughs> I can tell you, though, it is entertaining. And most of the, Fairly frequently, we say, oh, crap. Did we really say that live? Can't take it back now. It's out there. We're just going to have to live with it. Just going to have to live with it. 
Well, thank you again, everyone who's listening. We hope you enjoyed listening to Dr. Jennifer Bell today from North Carolina, a a wonderful dentist in that area. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, we'd appreciate your five-star Google review and also to like it on Apple as well. You guys have a great evening. Have a good night.